watching episode four. I love that. That's great. <laughs> it's awesome. That's our theme song that Jill wrote for us. That's magic. Hi, everyone. Hey. It's Candelacha time. That's right. Very exciting. Yes. It's uh, Amanda here, JC, and super excited to have with us tonight local celebrity chef yes, as featured stop. on Food Network, uh, Josh Gardner. Hey. Hi. Hey. Thanks for coming in. Yeah. This is fun. We're so excited to have you. We're gonna we're gonna talk about stuff stuff and things all my favorite things yeah yeah food and weed food and weed yeah that's pretty yeah that's the secret to success right i think so so we're gonna start off this episode like we do every episode we're we're gonna talk about cannabis it's a a fun month for cannabis (laughs) in the world it is is. there's lots of news happening that was that was my bad sound effect of like um you know what do you call it the The news briefing Oh, telegram. Yeah. Is there telegram. Telegram. Yeah, 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 yeah. There it is. Yeah. Thanks, Marconi. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, JC, what news do you have? So, um, I know that we spoke on an earlier episode, uh, talked about Missouri and how much that, um, I think it was around $17 million that they had um, took from both their medical and their recreational marijuana market and um gave that back to veterans benefits like legal aid um, okay. medical care those sort of things um so on this episode what i'd like to do is back up to missouri again because it was just released that as of uh this year so they started recreational in february of 2023 they have now uh, brought in a billion dollars oh, in it, revenue in, in missouri. missouri oh wow so i mean can you just imagine the things that we could do in our communities and in our yeah, commonwealth no, and stuff. I, I think it's funny how Kentucky's still like slowly getting circled. I, I know we, we passed whatever medical initiative that we did, and we've got a couple years before that takes hold, but then like specifics of that don't really like free it up for anybody for real because of the restrictions they still put on it. So That's true. And um, I know that a lot of the folks who have been working on uh, the medical program here are looking to expand that in the upcoming um, session that's coming yeah. up. However, as we've watched Ohio and our other neighbors kind of like just run across that that finish line, mm-hmm. it makes you kind of wonder, you know, how can we how can we speed that up here? You know, I mean, it's really at this point, it's we don't have a ballot initiative that like Ohio has, so it's left on the legislative body. So right. you know, um, and we yeah. have legislators that'll put stuff forward, but then it gets kind of just like lost in mm-hmm. in every legislative sessions you know you'll you'll have a, an article and it's like oh it's gonna happen this year and then after the article makes it out of the news cycle it's not we're not talking about it anymore yep now i mean it's to say it's it's you know what we're seeing in kentucky is similar to so many other places but on the federal level you know house the house keeps passing these you know the more act and all these things and then it's just it just kind lost. of fizzles out 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before it it reached, you know, the Senate doesn't doesn't. Y- you would think that would be the like the that could be one of the issues that people can like run on at this point. Like for me, I don't care whichever side decides to just federally legalize weed and beat some to it <laughs> you get my vote right um but it, because it, it it will require a certain amount of federal legalization in order for it to like the, the banking has to be available and they need to get draw back on some of the whole dot restrictions mm-hmm. on smoking well like yeah you know we it, talked about that a little bit last week and anyway but uh um the uh uh uh, about 10, I think, cannabis businesses in the state of Massachusetts are suing the attorney general in order to get uh, that interstate commerce and to get it yeah. out of the, the um, however it's classified within. Yeah. Well, and, and, and companies that you have or dispensaries or companies who are in the marijuana or cannabis industry that have multiple locations in different states, mm-hmm. that creates a really big issue. And, you know, I think if we're going to look at it from a federal level and how that we could possibly even pay off our national debt that continues to accumulate, we have to deal with the interstate commerce. Yeah. And that's why it's extremely important that we have it at a, at a federal level. And I think there's benefits, though, at the state level, too, that each state kind of has its things. But... I mean, we're literally living as we continue to hear in the wild, wild west when it comes to weed. I mean, yeah. uh, every state. I mean, it's just. I mean, it's, 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 it's county to county is fine. Mm-hmm. You know, we have here in Kentucky, we have dry county. This is the bourbon capital of the world, and we have dry counties yeah. all over the place. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah, I grew up in a dry county. I, I did too. In, the, the town I live in now, they just went. I mean, they were moist for a couple of years. It's a fun <laughs> word to say. And. Um, and now they're wet-ish, I guess. But then <laughs> they're damp. They went from moist, moist to, to damp. damp. They're yeah. wetter. <laughs> I, I don't really know what the what the idea is. You know, because there's like, oh, we don't have a liquor store. And I'm like, so what? Shut up. And so I think we might actually have the first liquor store in Berea opening. It's open now. I don't really know. I don't drink. I, I'm the wrong person. Right. But then, like <laughs> the social aspect of it. it, it growing up in Berea that was one of the hardest things for us is like there's nothing to do and as a kid the drinking thing has nothing to do with it but there's still nothing to do now um and so anybody that like socializes or goes out for the most part they leave Berea to go do stuff now albeit like Allie Blair's doing amazing things with Rebel Rebel and and she's making the best she can in Berea but yeah we just just in the last election went wet (laughs) i grew up in a dry county and it's just been in the past maybe three or four years that it went wet and you know one of the things that i would always say is people were leaving our county and going to over the county line and spending their dollars there and you know a lot of people in our community would be like well wonder you know wonder why that town has this or why that town has that well they have more tax revenue yeah and and you're paying for it and i think that just goes back to a lot of um I don't know, maybe personal experiences, but maybe misunderstandings. And I think, you know, us doing this podcast, it mm-hmm. was my, it's my hope that when folks from different walks of life and different places get to tell their story and, and talk about cannabis a little more, um, not just to educate, but to, to really meet someone on a, on a personal level and their experiences that maybe, um, maybe people really think about that. It, you know, cannabis is not really 
you know, this scary, horrible thing. Reefer it's, madness. Right. It's just not. <laughs> and uh, there are so many benefits to it. And, you know, if we could get past uh, the scare of the word marijuana and let's look at cannabis as a whole, it opens us up to so much more even with our fiber, with hemp and those sort of things. Oh, yeah. Because the whole hemp industry has really suffered because of um, marijuana legislation Absolutely. at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And my exciting piece of news. Yes. I don't know if you guys know this. I just found out this morning that this week, 10 different nations are meeting in Germany to discuss how, as these different countries, because Germany is, is moving towards recreational as a country, and it's also, uh, also joining in this, this conference, this international conference of, of cannabis uh, legislation is what they're calling it. Uh, it's Canada, Mexico, the United States, Netherlands, Malta, Okay. Germany, I can't remember. Anyway, but it's all of these different nations that some, another, the Netherlands, if I didn't sorry to say that. So it's almost Thanksgiving. I've been cooking for four <laughs> hours today already. Um, but uh, so they're all coming together to look at, you know, how California, how Canada, and how on a global level mm-hmm. we can start to see how cannabis is, is, um, how every state or country is doing it, and maybe even yeah. have maybe some intercontinental, international type treaties that, to yeah. do business yeah. with, and see if we can do it at the international level, but we can't get there on the nat on a national level. I mean, yeah, we're so dysfunctional. It's, on it's, we're a dysfunctional family, right? <laughs> yeah, but the but you know, so the way that we you know the way that we deal with you know intercontinent international alcohol sales mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. shipping and transport and all of the so they're looking at on like microcosm how do we deal with it within our own countries by so i guess the german ambassador that's taking part of this conference was in california two weeks ago and in vancouver before that to bring that information back to germany and yeah so it's uh, that, i was like cool. that's a very that's, cool thing that's, that's progress that is to know that on that on that scale that global scale of like Hey, you know, because because Germany, much like in the U.S., they were, you know, realizing just how big the black market mm-hmm. is and how it can hurt people if it's not regulated. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that concerns me on that, uh, growing up in Kentucky and seeing local news where there was a drug bust or something, it always seemed like there was this little bag of weed with all this other stuff, and I was like, you know, why are, why are we doing that to the weed? Because the weed's not killing people, you know. But the concern we have now that we have issues with things like fentanyl and these mm. very very strong drugs that people are abusing, street uh, pharmaceuticals that are being abused on the street. Uh, the concern is is that that's going to get crossed over in a black market bag of weed. Right. That's very concerning, you know. And I, I mean, uh, I, and I'm not saying I'm against a. There's always going to be a black market for things, but I think. We, we the legislation and having an industry that allows us to have safe access to I clean. think the safe access is a big part of it I, I think though that the black market aspect of it will persist because we can't figure out how to legalize without like taxing everything to death right California has the problem of of over taxation and so People still go to the weed man on the corner because they don't want to pay the whatever price difference. Um, I find some places are smarter about it. Some are less. I understand that there's a lot of revenue to be garnered from it. But at the same time, like, I'm of the opinion that it should be, 
you know, I kind of like the Wild West about it. Right. Know? But what I would like to see is that if I grew my own weed, my ability to test my weed for potency and safety and, and all those things and the, the lab side of things were accessible and available and out in the open because it's not a, um, I don't know, stigmatized industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of, we were talking last week about everybody kept saying 30 days in Ohio. What's happening mm-hmm. in 30 days? And I finally did the real research. So starting on December 8th, uh, Ohioans can grow up to 12, 12 plants, plants in that's their own holy homes. Holy cow. That's true. Yeah. That's that's a large de- I mean, because <laughs> for any of the other states that I've read about, that's all still only like. It's six plants per per, per adult mm-hmm. or 12 per household. So a married oh, okay. couple can grow 12 plants single individual can grow six well and i think um you know and that's really important too not just i mean for all of our you know i'm your vegetables your herbs or whatever anymore we it's hard to tell what's in your food um Mm -hmm. so i think that people should be able to grow it whether it's because they can't afford it at the dispensary level or that they just want to they know what they feed their plants you know before they Mm -hmm. utilize it and uh i think that so i'm not against the wild wild west i think the biggest problem is creating products uh, in the past throughout the hemp industry there's just been so many uh well at the you know at our level certain stipulations and regulations that seem to kind of hinder the industry a little bit yeah. uh but the whole interstate commerce we have federal legislation through the farm bill that makes hemp legal yeah. uh, under three tenths of a percent of thc uh, going to the retail market but then you've got some states that have medical marijuana and then you have some with recreational and some with both and then it just all gets tricky you know you've got synthetics running around mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's crazy i think sometimes that the the pers- what did you say the percentage was that they three, have? It's three tenths of a percent. I, I find sometimes, and I mean, this is probably mostly my opinion, but that that percentage is sometimes hard to hit for a person. Like, say you grow a hundred acres, and this is, I mean, this is cannabis we're talking mm-hmm. about. Like, you're not really going to breed the THC out of it. You can breed the THC down, but when you have such a low threshold, you get whole hemp crops that are essentially rendered marijuana unusable yeah they're rendered marijuana now they're illegal burn your fields well we've had we've had tons of farmers here in kentucky that lost a lot of time effort and money over it yeah uh and it's it's you know it really where that and and a lot of people in the industry have worked on this and are working on it and i don't know where it's going to head to you know some people have thrown out well let's let's go one percent let's go this at the end of the day it should really be left on the um the the processors and the producers of the actual product from it if we're not growing if we're not selling the flour because at the end of the day once you kind of condense that down it's it's higher than three tenths of a percent anyway so the person who's actually making a product a lotion a gummy whatever could really be the person who should I wouldn't say should I don't like to use the word should but could be the person who sees to it that the 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 product that goes to market follows whatever the legal guidelines are but the farmers themselves should um you know it shouldn't be left on them because the time the effort and the money that they've put into it kind of all goes to waste uh, if that crop has to be burnt. And not to mention, there's people who could utilize that cannabis for medical reasons or whatever, and that's going to waste too. You yeah. Know? Well, well, and we're we're guilty of, um, like, secondary, of discarding secondary produce a lot in this country. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. not weed. Um, you know, you th- I, I've seen the ad for, like, ugly food or something to that effect, mm-hmm. and it's a company that will, like, will bring Misfits, you... Misfits, I think. Misfits, yeah, yeah okay. That's, that's what it's... And you think about all the things that 
we lose in our food through the like standard machinations of agribusiness in this country mm -hmm. right um there's all these varieties that we miss you know there's there is a massive push towards heirloom and, and grow it yourself and that's where um you improve food quality and you improve ingredient choice and you keep um varietals alive that are the things that kept your grandparents 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 thriving mm -hmm. um and i think that by allowing back to weed you, the same sort of an ideal like if i want to grow some in my garden or if i want to grow it in a house plant in a window so what right. um I, I don't think we need to legislate my plants to death just the same as like we don't legislate a tomato that's right which which in some aspects we should i mean you think about all the all the recalls and stuff on produce that we have you know, salmonella outbreaks, E. coli, blah, blah, blah. And it's in these mass produced, mass produced yeah. foods. And, and so, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, everybody that lives in town can't grow a garden. It should, which I'm, I am. If you can do it, it doesn't have to be, you know, acres and you don't, you, but you can grow something that feeds yourself. And if your neighbors are growing, you can trade and weed works the same way. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I like to grow peppers. I'm not great at tomatoes, but I grow peppers and I trade them for tomatoes and I still get my salsa. And it, yeah, it all makes sense. It's, uh, you know, and then, then, then we get into the scary conversation of when Monsanto starts. Right. You know, I, that, that is uh, trademarking, and, uh, you know, I don't think we ought to be able seeds. to patent. <laughs> Patenting life was a problem. It's when horrifying. It happened. Yeah, um, that's a soapbox that I could spend a I've, whole yep. bunch of time on. <laughs> well, I've, I've heard people over the past several years talk about how they would love to see people actually be able to bring it to, say, farmers markets in mm -hmm. a way like you would sell anything else. And, you know, a lot of other people I've talked to that have been probably staples in the hemp industry over the years here have talked about, you know, how could they get it to a place that was similar to tobacco. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you think about it, I could picture and vision, you know, we had tobacco warehouses here. Mm -hmm. So what if you had where you had people who were growing uh, and they were able to bring it to market, test it, show the test results, and allow people like dispensaries and folks to come in and and and, 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 sure and you bid have a on license it. to come in the room. Yeah. But yeah, th I think that's a fantastic. I don't know that it'll ever get freed up that way yeah. because we can't. I, I don't know. I feel like our legislators are so performative. Right. Yeah. It's not that they really care that you're smoking weed, but they just they got to be seen on camera acting real tough on it. You know, even meanwhile, they're behind doors doing what they do. Yeah. I mean, it all goes back to xenophobia and all that, you know. Well, and, and, and you know, they're out of um, I, I've seen the other side of that, too. And I think, you know, folks, um, they, they leadership should be leading and, and um, serving the people who they represent and a lot of times running a campaign to be there you know living in uh, we've heard that called the bible belt or the different places that we live and, and different belief systems and how cannabis is frowned upon in some of those and i it's my hope that having folks on to have these discussions mm -hmm. people will see that you know it's not the scary plant and if we could have that conversation i kind of wonder a lot of times if the legislators like you're saying uh, you know they don't really mind what you're doing at home as long as you're harming other people 
uh, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, it's kind of like they're more concerned about maybe a certain uh, demographic not voting for them or something if they were to support that. And I think that's something that really needs to be discussed as a whole, not just put on the legislator's shoulders, but as a community, as a people. But I totally get where you're saying. Well, yeah. you know, but, our legislators aren't going to respond unless as voters we respond. And when we have voter turnouts in the state of Kentucky in the 30s, we're not going to change the conversation because most of that 30% is said demographic. But even when we do, that's that's where I get tripped up amongst about the legislation and the politicians. Because even when the people do speak up the way they did in Ohio, the way they are in uh, whatever, what town in Texas we were talking about a couple uh, weeks Lubbock, ago. I, I in do Lubbock, believe, yeah. yeah. Uh, where the people come out. And, and and the majority vote yes to legalize cannabis on, on a recreational level. And legislature goes, yeah, but we don't think you really mean that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we don't think you know what you're talking about. We have to, like, yeah. write it back. They kind of are doing the same thing in Virginia where they had this mm-hmm. legalized effort, and but they still can't get the legislature to do anything really around I, it's kind of convoluted but it sounds like they were like yes recreational weed but wait no not really um yeah. i think the question we have to ask there is um maybe who are they serving is that's, it right. is it the people or the corporations that's right. what i'm wondering well, and, you know? and that's another one of you brought up monsanto's the one thing i want to see not never happen to the cannabis industry is the monsanto-ifying effect of it mm-hmm. like i i don't want the pharmaceutical companies to have any authority to come write a law about it, grow any weed. I don't want to buy your weed. Keep your shit, make your pills elsewhere. Leave me alone. Um, I, I would rather it's much more approach it from the farmer's market perspective of things. Um, do I worry that that will happen because they have more money to uh, pay for more political attention than I do all the time. Um, yeah. What do I see happening of it? I don't really know. I feel like the average stoner is a lot more discerning than they get credit for in that, like, we're probably not going to go buy, you know, pharmaceutical brand, right. branded pot when the, the, like, potency and efficacy of it from, you know, the guy you know up the street is the same. I don't see ever going about it that way. I do appreciate the science kind of perspective of it. Like this strain does this and more here and less there. And I I like that. Well, and I think what's good about that too is uh, I've ran across people over the past few years who's like, you know, I I was in LA or I was in Vegas or I was in Michigan and I tried this and tried that and, you know, it just didn't work for me. And I was like, well, did you try anything else? No, I don't think it's good for me. I'm not going to do it. And, but the thing is, is when you follow that bit of science and you start lurking, looking at things like the terpenes and the, Mm -hmm. the breakdowns of these cannabinoids, uh, there is a purpose for it all. And I think don't give up on it. I think continue to try, but I think, uh, when we have the ability here in the Commonwealth for a lot of the people, because most of those people are here that I'm talking to, when they have the ability to go somewhere local, whether that be recreational or a medical dispensary, and they can actually see all of these different things and then try them, I think that might change for them. So, And having an educated opinion sometimes behind that counter that says, this does this, this mm-hmm. does that. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I had a person told me at one in, in California one time, she was like, 
don't worry about anything I just said to you. Like, if your nose tells you you like it, trust your nose. And so I did, and I ended up finding a strain that I don't know that I would have bought because, oh, the THC percentage wasn't, you know, all the way through the roof, and I'm trying to get, because I'm at a dispensary. But trust your nose. Your instincts generally can kind of guide you sometimes. And I've used that a lot, and I've that a lot of my favorite strains that I seek out now are, you know, that way. And then I have ones that I don't really care for because whatever, mm-hmm. the nose knows. Right. So uh, we obviously yes. know as an adult, you're quite the connoisseur now. <laughs> but do you remember your first cannabis experience? Bro, I could tell you a bunch of stories and I don't know if I should, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, So my like, me as a person, any amount of actual trouble that I've ever been in, in my entire life has been pot related in some form or fashion. <laughs> Josh has never done anything rowdy. I don't get PIs. I just smoke weed and go to concerts and things. Um, My earliest one, honestly, man, I think I was like eight. Oh, that'll do you. Yeah, you know, like found a roach somewhere. (laughs) Um, I don't know. In high school, like that doesn't really count to me. Like, yes, it counts because it's a funny story, but I, I wasn't like, you but know, smoking a, joints every day at 10 years old. It's not how it was. So, yeah, it's a little bit like me, like, sneaking champagne glasses at a... Right, yeah, right, yeah, 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 right. Party. Everybody's drank a beer with your dad. You know, it's like, here, you, I want some of that. Oh, you sure? Here you go. Blah, no, not for me. <laughs> no, I'll pass. But, so, I, in high school, though, like, 16, I'm driving, probably junior year of high school. I got in trouble for having pot at school. And it was like... I had been out with some people the night before. We had bought some weed. We all got stoned, you know, riding around dirt roads. It was a great time. Everybody goes home, wake up next morning. I have a joint still in my pack of cigarettes. And I'm like, bro, after school, let's go. Before I even got out of class, somebody had like dry snitched. He has <laughs> weed. He has weed over there. Go get him. And so whatever. Always. And so they come get me out. Apparently, I had been dealing pot in school for the last six months. And I'm like, bro, I've smoked weed the first time like yesterday. I don't know what you're talking about. So whatever. They throw the book at me. And I did the whole stint in alternative school and hanging out with all the bad kids. And boy, if I haven't smoked a joint every day since. As you should. I have, out of pure fucking spite. I have I have a funny one to, to go with because I was also accused of dealing weed in school, in my private school, which I didn't do. Uh, it's true. I didn't. One time I I did weed. weed so we used to do Disneyland trips. We'd the, um, what is it? First night, last. It's a thing. All the high schools get to go into Disneyland until like 4 a.m. I bought a book of acid and sold it to all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> so th- that was my one and only time drug dealing in high school, but I I got caught to dealing marijuana, mm. and I was like, "What are you talking about? No, I didn't." And legitimately, and looking back, it was it, it obviously looked really dumb, but legitimately, my friend had missed lunch, so I went to our bookstore where you could buy frozen chicken sandwiches and like ramen cups. And I bought him a ramen cup and a chicken sandwich and handed it to him in a brown paper bag. And he handed me $5 cash 
Oh, and, you're selling weed. And I was selling Watch weed. Out. And I got like drug tested. That and child is an searched. entrepreneur. Leave them alone. Oh, and I was like, it was a chicken sandwich. Go check my like bookstore account. You know, but it was a huge thing. And I wound up getting suspended because they did find a bottle of Jack Daniels in the trunk of my my foot locker in my in my room. I was at boarding school, but yeah, no. So I was also the drug dealer, but they never actually busted me for the for the drugs I did sell. They busted me for a chicken sandwich. For a chicken sandwich, yeah, yeah. yeah. Scotty. Um, so yeah, so that happened. So I feel you. I'm not yeah, always getting I, and, in trouble. And so I've ever since I'm just I'm stubborn, man. Oh my, I'll smoke till <laughs> I die out of spite. But. No, so then you know, fast forward to now, I'm an adult. I'll, I'll smoke all the weed I want. All right. You know, so I was going to say, like, so once me- a day. Medical purposes, but meh. Nah, well, I don't live in a place where that matters, right? Right. Like, having it for medical purposes does me absolute jack. But <laughs> the day somebody says, hey, you can go here and they'll give you a medical card, I'm signing up. Well, give me the card. Well, that's today. You don't oh, know that? No, I don't know where to go. 150 bucks. Sign me up. Can we do it on? Can we do it in class right now? <laughs> I wish if I was if I was the doctor that could do it. Yeah. No, we still have to. I still have to go too. Is there so let's, there's a program well, let's edit set up this part out because we'll just pretend like well, I've always not, had my medical card. There's there's been. there's not necessarily a pro. It's being kind of built. So right now in Kentucky, there's two things that's going on. One is they're trying. I think 2024 will be the big year of how they're going to set up the mainframe of how the program's going to work. Ultimately, what has happened right now until then, um, the governor has signed kind of like a pre-pardon under an executive right. order. So if you have uh, a document, there's a form. Um, that if your medical provider or your doctor signs that you have one of those conditions that the legislative body have kind of passed for the medical reasons. Or, There's a or, doctor or, on Southland Drive. <laughs> oh. That's what I need to know. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But, but that's kind of how that's set up. But we are working toward there so that you can have that. But. <laughs> No, there's when you when you Google cannabis clinic Kentucky, there's like a, there's like one in every county or one in every. I just other. don't know if well, I try. Like I get the one that's like cannabis coalition Kentucky cannabis coalition dot com, and I'm like I don't know if I trust the internet to to sell me a, like a legal binding piece of paper. No, well, it's, so this it's it's an office. It's the cannabis clinic, yeah. uh, and it's a doctor's office, and you have to go in, and you actually have to have like a referral from another physician or a medical card from another state okay which i'm hoping that my california will come over to kentucky um even though expired in 2011 so (laughs) i see but i I don't like i totally like that one's a whole new one for me i you know they're they're, yeah that's but that's where you go to get the card net there's there's one in fayette there's one in jefferson there's a couple other off there's specific Mm -hmm. offices well i think you know I guess I'm, I, I need to look into that yeah. because the folks that, you know, I know that are working to build this program have been very concerned about people who are taking advantage of folks because all you need at this point in time is to have your physician sign this piece of paper and have it. Uh, I know as soon as this all started to come up, there was yard signs being put all over Lexington about calling this 800 number to get your medical marijuana card. And there are doctors who, well, 
I don't know if I want to call them doctors, medical professionals or what, in different areas who are trying to take advantage of Kentuckians to get them to pay for that, which really is not much different than having a doctor just sign the form for free for you for the the pre-pardon at this moment. Because really what you're doing if you are you know that is to allow people to go to a recreational state purchase it Mm -hmm. bring the receipt back and just have that that you have a condition so now i don't know i i just know i don't know anything about that one so i'll look into it sense to me so in california for instance when we first went medical you there were places you would actually go Mm -hmm. because you had to have a license Mm -hmm. and you couldn't necessarily go to your family physician to get that license interesting you would get a referral from okay. your family physician to then take to so much like so if if the thing that i saw in south and drive is bogus it's bogus but it is working exactly the same way that it did in california for years if i'm not mistaken in florida um what happens is you'll have like your medical records and your and your information and the doctor signs off on it and then you actually have to get on a state website and get that license through the state the mm-hmm. way you would like a driver's license at the DMV so you have your documentation they sign off you pay your fee directly to the state give them that information and then they issue the card there so um, every state is so different it's so different yeah, it no, really i just want to be able to take my medical right? card to a medical dispensary <laughs> right. and buy medical priced weed cuz so my wife just came back from Colorado. When she was out there, they went to a dispensary. The exact same weed was, you know, let's say the medical menu, you know, 100 bucks an ounce. The recreational menu was like 275 an ounce. I just want the card so I can just pay 100 bucks an ounce. Um, and, and then be able to bring it home and y'all just leave me alone. Mm-hmm. I, my, that's really all I'm after is for the state to fuck off. Yeah. Yeah, send chill out to the car to go because my my marijuana certificate from California is in my glove box in my car. It just lives there always. But it literally is just it was when I went to the clinic to go get it, it was like 50 bucks and the doctor signs it and puts it in a plastic. It's like it literally is like a mm-hmm. certificate, mm-hmm. like a, you know. Like a printed piece of paper. And the three, it's so funny. The three of us sitting here having this conversation, it's one of those things where, you know, it kind of sounds like, okay. You you, sorry, you, you, you don't actually have to go to the car to get my. <laughs> <laughs> Exit stage but, left. It's like, all right, fine, I'm gone. But here we are, the three of us talking about it, and we, we have all three different kind of variations of stories of different places. And it's like, to the average person who's sitting out there thinking, you know, I would like to use that for my condition, or I wonder if it would help, or I've tried it and I'd like to, but this seems really complicated. Mm-hmm. It should not be should, that should. complicated, especially for people who are sick, yeah. you know? I mean, you look at the list of things that are qualifying conditions, um, you know, chronic pain, anxiety might be the one that most people go for, but the, the folks that are suffering from some of the, uh, more detrimental mm-hmm. conditions on that list, it's an actual like boon to their life. Mm-hmm. And you think about whatever, we can't smoke weed in, in America, but like all the drugs that are advertised during the six yeah. o'clock news and the side effects that go along with them. And some of them are like death or you know, you're going to shit yourself in a Wendy's drive-thru. You just don't know. that's usually an anxiety medicine. I'm thinking if you didn't have anxiety already, you're gonna. You're going right? to. Right? Yeah, and so why would you want to take that 
for anxiety when you just smoke some weed. <laughs> and then there's those. So uh, I, I fall under the categories of PTSD and anxiety. But my big the reason why I started my medical journey mm. with cannabis was because I have gastrointestinal issues. Yeah. And state of Kentucky is not even looking at that. That's not even on the list. Yeah, I don't it, think. it's a whole treatment for Crohn's and 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 IBS. Crohn's, and stuff. I have I, I have IBS. Well, I will my, tell you yeah. that on the list of things that they're working on, trying to get the legislative body to add the next session, I know Crohn's is on that list of the things. And I've actually written um, Frankfurt and the folks that are are fighting for that to actually support the list that they've added and I know that Crohn's is on there okay um, so I know there's a list I of 12 mean, or 13 yes. uh, that are on <laughs> yes. there. fibromyalgia I think is on there there's yeah. several of them but uh, but it definitely needs to happen yeah um, and again I, I'm, a, I'm a person that I think that needs to be left between the patient and the practitioner period so that yeah. shouldn't it shouldn't be legislated you know well you know if we're gonna be free country and you're free to do this and free That's to right. do that I'm free to smoke pot I I mean alternatively so are they free to do you know or whatever but not that I'm encouraging you know mm -hmm. but if you're going to apply the same like freedom argument to it you have to apply it across the board which I don't know what that like outcome of it where what Oregon a few years ago legalized like yeah. everything yeah. Um, and I don't know what the like outcome of it but the little bit I knew about like when Portugal did it they saw a huge decline mm -hmm. in just about everything except maybe smoking pot. It's it's how it's handled. Um, I can't remember what, um, not that I hate to bring him up, but in this context, it's it's uh, relevant. Um, Russell Brand, Brand years ago did a documentary about heroin, and I can't remember what country mm. he went to where, because um, he went to a few, he went somewhere where it was completely decriminalized and it was not a good situation. But then he went somewhere else. It might have been the Netherlands or someplace like that where they actually had, like, safe places to go to get a clean needle, to do that, to do that. And and you could physically go into this building and use it. You would get, get your own little room to use mm -hmm. in. And they saw a huge decline in heroin there as there, well. There is a decline on that. And I know that there's programs uh, throughout the Commonwealth and a few places in certain counties where they have a needle exchange program. And that has created a lot of conversation in communities because, you know, you have folks who are diabetic and have a hard time getting certain things, uh, whether that be their insulin or, you know, their needles are expensive or whatever the case may be. And they're like, well, I can't get mine free. But if I was a drug addict, it I should could. not be harder and, to get insulin than it is to get heroin. Correct. Right? And that's true. And, yeah. and and that's something that needs to be looked at. I'm not saying that I'm against the idea of uh, a program or doing what they've done. If we see a, a decrease in that, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not. I am. I am the last fan of heroin. I have lost way too many friends to heroin overdoses. It's okay. What solutions do bring we have? to if, decrease heroin? If use? you're not going to address the socioeconomic issues that got us into yeah. an addiction based lifestyle there in the go. first place you're not gonna fix anything that's right you're you, you like this whole punitive perspective on it where we're gonna criminalize it and now we're gonna you know drag this person down here and handcuff them and then we're gonna take them downtown and charge them a bunch of fines mm -hmm. they don't have any money right like court costs fuck off like you're not you're not fixing this person's problems. You are just 
and in a lot of aspects, because the state gets involved, you're making it worse. Do you know how we can make more money to t- handle all that recreational weed? And then we'd have enough money to help those people in programs. I, 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 I'm, a f- I'm fine with if, if, if recreational pot and, and the revenue generated from that can be used to fix a problem, it should tons of problems we could uh, yeah, we can know, apply those funds to i know when they first started legalizing like colorado they're like well all this money is going to go to education and fine send it to schools but but there's a lot of other programs in the state that need support do you know one that i that i would like to see uh if 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 our legislators or uh those in the executive areas of frankfurt are listening uh if we ever got there if we were getting the billions that we're seeing not only Mm. other programs but what if we did look at cleaner like a high-speed railway type of system to where someone who lives in eastern kentucky could hop on one and be like in lexington or central kentucky in like 45 minutes america because there's not enough jobs there we could people here could then commute to cincinnati where they hop on it's you know it's kind of a more greener type of thing that we can talk about whether that be like high-speed magnet, magnetic red railways or whatever Europe and Japan does. But, you know, there there's ideas where we got people that are so far removed from high-speed Internet. And I know that's something that's being worked on, but this would be something that folks who aren't able to drive two hours to work but could hop on and be. And, I mean, we've got folks here that need employees and can't keep People employees. don't consider the fact that, like, when people, you think about the American experience from perspective of like LA and New York, you don't need a car. I don't know about LA, but like New York, you don't need a car in New York. You're almost better off if you don't. Right. But when we are talking about like the average expenses of a person in middle America, they don't factor in the cost of a car, car insurance, gas, the, the whole like m- massive extra bit of cost that it comes onto a person's life just to simply be able to get from point a to point b because we have so massively failed mm-hmm. as a, from a, a mass transit perspective mm-hmm. and and the failure of of public rail in this country is still laying on the back of the civil war that's right because we destroyed a bunch of trains in the south train tracks in the south that we never put back because I don't know why, you know, meanwhile, we're talking about transcontinental railroads and stuff where, but they can't even get the rail built from LA to Vegas. By the way, I don't know if you know, this has been like a 30 year. Wow. Trying to get, I I think, yeah, I'm not super aware, but I knew it was a thing. It was an episode of the Simpsons. once. We we got it as close. I think it's, it's, has it been that long? It's about, I think right now it's about an hour and a half outside LA. So is it, you have to drive an hour and a half into like basically just to the edge of the desert and then you can leave your but car like, there and it's the dumbest but that's like bill maher or i like bill maher i like bill maher a lot and maybe not him as a person but like a show because he has people but whatever he was trying to get solar panels put on his house because you know i want to go green i've got money i'm going to put it up it took him i think it was over a thousand days before the the city in Cal or the state in California would permit him to like hook it all up, wow. and so if that is a yeah. thing in just that little microcosm, I can only imagine what something like dragging a trains through the desert would be like. Yeah, out the there. bureaucracy in Los Angeles is, yeah, yeah, the people have great ideas, and we vote on stuff that we think is great, and then 
the bureaucrats make it not happen. <laughs> it's, it's infuriating. But if if your whole job in government is to not is to figure out how to fuck the will of the people, then you need a new job. Yeah. Well, I mean, put it so uh, uh, Los Angeles, the city of Los Angeles, county of Los Angeles, uh, into fifty percent of the total budget of the county goes to the police department. And I don't know if you've how many movies you've seen on how corrupt the LAPD is, but then uh, they also took forty five percent of the entire education budget and gave that to the LAPD to patrol our uh, public schools. Look, I, I, so it's it's yeah. Did the you all have dare? I'm trying to figure out when dare yes, we started. Had, oh, we had dare. Drugs are really expensive. Mm, yeah. As a kid, pre dare. I knew nothing, cared nothing, gave no shits. I, you, I, you couldn't have told me what a drug was. I didn't care. Post dare, oh well, we're trying to figure out what everything is and try it before the. And yeah. this is fifth grade, so like your money that you're spending as drug abuse resistance education was hugely wasted. And then my generation suffers from it tremendously because you gave us. They followed that up with like opioids. Here, have some candy. Yeah, they came up with that and a commercial that reminded our parents to hug us at the, in the same year. I'm just saying, like, it's I don't know if you... Do you know where your children are? I don't know. If, no, not where... Have you ever... You have, have, no, you I know, know what you're talking about, too. I'm talking just, about? Do you know? It seems like I, I remember that. It was actually a commercial in the 80s that, like, had to remind parents to, like, hug us. Hug your kids. Like, yeah, they could, hug they your, could, they could use a kid. They could use a hug. Don't just scream at them. It was literally a commercial of like parents screaming at their crying children mm. and then children alone in their rooms. And then be like, parents, you should give her a hug today. But I mean, that's responsible like, parents. You got to yell at them. So, and you got time out. And then you got the whole like, I'm sorry, I love you, but you fucked up. But, the, but our parents forgot the, I the, love the hugging you. part. The, the yeah, hugging yeah. part. Do we think that came out of like the time before us where maybe they came from the time where parents, yes. the Valium age, yes. like, and those sort of things? Yeah, is that where the they came from? The time before time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my parents are, are of the Reefer Madness generation. Okay. So, like, I had to have a whole conversation with my dad once about, like, Dude, Reefer Madness isn't real. That movie is bullshit. Really? That was his answer. Was really? Not not at all. No. Nothing about that entire experience was correct. Like you know, my dad is a is still under the DOT supervision for his job, so I'm not going to like secretly give him brownies at Christmas or nothing. But the day the day they're all like don't have to do it. I'm I'm getting them all. Every one of them. I'm going to Oh, I I could out my dad right now about some shit. Um, I bet you've got some good <laughs> stories. Well, no. So my dad used to. Oh, my dad got so mad at me one time. About, I, I don't remember what the fight was, but it wound up with him coming to my room. I had a huge collection of very expensive Jerome Baker bongs. I don't know if you guys know if that Jerome Baker is a thing out here, but he's a glass artist mm -hmm. uh, back in California, and he would every bong was one of a kind and hand blown and blah 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 and they had lizards and sunflowers dad got pissed at me for something coming to my room opened my closet started smashing my bongs up you know that's that's like that uh because he was the dad in fucking tenacious d and pick a destiny yeah that was not far from like who he oh my god that was dad. real but so yeah so he's smashing my bongs and he's screaming about you're a pothead blah 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 
cut to like 10 years later we're in vegas we're getting drunk i tell him i'm i'm gonna move to beachwood canyon which is a neighborhood in la and he goes oh that's where i when i first moved to la that's where i lived when i was selling acid to the beach boys i said i'm sorry what <laughs> excuse me sir <laughs> <laughs> so yeah after getting mad at me for for that's smoking why weed, that music was good he he then confessed to me that he yeah he was dealing acid Wow! In the in the uh, in the late sixties. So did you That's ask why for the a new Beach bong? Boys were good. Well, uh, no, uh, no, no, I didn't get any. I think I just probably stole money out of the safe and went bought one. Shh! <laughs> I never did that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, he was he. Yeah, that was so. Ha ha! You're outed now. Yeah. Acid dealing. No, he was in a band at that time uh, called Popcorn Blizzard and the Flying Circus. Sounds awesome. And they all dressed up in different character outfits. And yeah, I don't know. Sounds amazing. I've seen some pictures. I've never heard the actual music. I don't know that it exists. Well, he was just talking about uh, when his dad and everyone gets uh, kind of out from under DOT or whatever, you're going to hook them up. So should that lead into... Uh, what are we leading into? Uh, oh. To what's your preferred method? I know you, you said... Well, on that so, note, the DOT yeah. recently... I don't know about how recently, but it's been this year. They adopted, they're going to start doing mouth swabs for like um, marijuana screenings for your DOT mm -hmm. physicals um, because that's, you know, reasonable. You know, that's 24 mm -hmm. hours. I'm, I, if I smoke it on Tuesday, I'm not still stoned on Thursday. Right. Um, and so there is some movement in that mm -hmm. direction, but. Anyway, I mean, I, I still don't know how, but but yeah, no. So yeah, we have other questions, but I, this is why I love the show because we just ramble, yeah, about stuff, and that's great. You know? what's for. We learn something new too each time. We do. So now, so we know you're a chef. Mm. Is your do you prefer edibles or smoking? Not or? even at all. I I am a smoker, man. I so um, I started smoking cigarettes at a fairly young age. Like I had a so my siblings and I are fairly spread out like my oldest sister was 21 when i was born the next one was 12 and then me so when my sister was in high school like you could still buy cigarettes at 16 at that point so i'm stealing cigarettes right. all the time and she used to tell me she's like i you know if you stole one i didn't really care but you got to where you would steal like half a pack and i was like i mean i just got to be preemptive you know i don't know what i'm gonna see again um Anyway, so, like, I've always been a smoker, but then about 25, like, I just got tired of smoking cigarettes, man. And uh, I, the only time I would smoke was when I was at work because you could dependably get a break. Mm. If you were a smoker, they'd leave you alone for an entire Newport 100. <laughs> for an entire one. But if you didn't have a cigarette in your hand and you've been out there two minutes, you're in trouble. Right. So I was like, I told my boss, I was like, dude, I'm quitting smoking cigarettes. I'm still smoking. I'm smoking a joint. Or for me, it's always been blunts. But I'm smoking. If you don't like it, fire me. I don't care. But this is what it is. And nobody ever cared. Um, but no, I, I religiously smoke blunts on blunts on blunts. Nice. I'm Snoop Dogg every day. One day. <laughs> one day, he, I'm going to figure out how to like really test my mettle against a person like Snoop. He's quitting. I mean, he's well, a fucking hundred. He needs to quit smoking. <laughs> well, he came out later and said he was high when he said that. He was just kind of like, you know. I've said, I think I need to quit sometimes. You know? <laughs> like, my wife probably would tell you she prefers edibles. I call bullshit. I don't know. She also probably doesn't really smoke weed when, I'm, when we're 
in separate parts of the world. Um, Fair. But, but yeah, no, I, like, I have all of this, like, idea about cooking with it, but because I live in a place that's not readily accessible, I can't go to a dispensary and say, hey, I need two ounces of trim because I want to confit some chicken. Right. I want pot fried chicken, you know, confit with the weed. It gets into the fat. Then you fry it in hemp oil. And then you put keef on it when you season it after the fact. <laughs> you just roll it in some keef and then put it on a plate. It's, like oh. it's called the Lebanese chicken. Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. I, I want to make that, but no, I don't. I don't get an opportunity to all that often because I don't. Um, I'm not in a position to. Now I will say we kept a. I guess I can say it. We kept a jar of um, oil, like. It wasn't butter, but it was like coconut oil. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we would keep it on the food truck when we were at like moonshiners and stuff. And for an extra little bit, I'd, you know, put something on something. The uh, hash oil on pizza is fabulous. What did I not know this? Or were you just doing it to my food without me asking? I think I was just doing it to your food without asking. <laughs> Pretty sure. Pretty, I mean, it makes, no, I'm but, pretty sure I was like, "Hey, you want a little? You want it special?" And you were like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Done." I think I was, didn't know what that meant. I thought you just were like putting some extra seasoning on it. It just makes sense, right? Because if you're gonna be having stoner food, <laughs> stoner food should also get you stoned, so you want more stoner food. It's just a vicious cycle. But from a business perspective, you know, I feel like that also might have been like helping cure my hangovers when I, I was watched, coming over for breakfast. I watched a dude. He came up to the food truck, and I think, I think this was a Moonshiners at Homegrown still. Okay. I think we were at Homegrown. Came up to the food truck, incoherently ordered like three things, and then I, he sat down at a table and just starts scarfing it up like Luffy and <laughs> like stuffing it in his mouth. And I look up, and then he's asleep. In his food, and he's sitting back up, and he's eating, and he's asleep again. And he gets up, and he comes over, and he's like, "Dude, you just saved my life. I don't even know." Right. I'm like, "That's what I'm here for, man. That's just that's the tender vittles for the it's, recovery." It was, it was absolutely delicious. Yeah, <laughs> but that's how I make things up anyway. Like, all of my best dishes have been like, "All right, I'm gonna get high and go to the store, and just see what happens." See, I can't do that because. One of the last times I got really high and went to the store, I forgot what went into tacos. <laughs> and now, I couldn't read. Now, my brain doesn't forget food like that, but I'll like I'll wholesale forget why I came in here in the first place, and then I've got a cart full of shit that I didn't I had to, to milk. Google pictures of tacos and study the pictures to I, figure out what the ingredients were. That now, I, I have done that where I'm <laughs> like, hold on, there's something I'm forgetting. <laughs> Oh, yeah. All right. It's this. I got to go back to the other side of the store. Yep. Those are the best ones when you're in like Kroger or Meyer and you're like, because they set it up. So it's a flow and you flow around, you come back, you check out, you leave. Not me, man. Not me. I'll go to the produce and then I get this and I get over here and find this. And then by the time I get to the milk, I remember something I forgot in produce. And then I'll you have an the cheese. Do you get like, oh, I, the, the, the worst fight that chill, the and really the only fight chill and I have ever had happened because of trader joe's (laughs) 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 because i go to trader joe's like three four times a year because oh it's new it's seasonal but it's new and i'm gonna wander around and look because they put things in red cookies are above the frozen meat and you know things make no sense in trader joe's trader joe's is not for the faint of heart and so i'm like 
looking at all the different nuts of the holiday season or whatever. And he's like, I got to go. I got to go. And I think he's doing a bit. Like, I think he's just being like, and do what And he finally says, give me the key. And he leaves. And I spend another 20 minutes probably in the store wandering before I even go to the, get to the checkout. Finally, I get to the car. Don't ever fucking do that to me again. And I was like, what did I do? I tell Israel that all the time. I can't take you anywhere. I'll go in here and I'm like, I have a list. I'm going to be here five minutes. But if I bring you with me, it's going to take two hours. Yeah. It's but so like but but we're much better now, because either he knows we're going like we went to jungle gyms. That's what my next Jeff. Have you been mm. to jungle gyms? It's so great. You we, need just go to Cincinnati, get a hotel, plan two days. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. we spent about two and a half hours in there, and I think we only saw about half of it. What do we have to do to get I, them to I, bring one down here? I walked until I like physically was in pain. Like I was like, dude, my back hurts. I can't. I either have to go get one of those carts, and I don't think they have any, or we gotta get the fuck out of here. Yeah, uh, but I'll, but he knew that. That's look, we're I'm gonna spend 25 minutes looking at cheese. Mm-hmm. All right, <laughs> and then the hot sauce section, and you're like, I don't right. But yesterday we went Thanksgiving shopping, and I had a very specific list. I had it organized by section. I have the produce, dairy, pantry. And so we were very organized, and we were in and out in less than an hour. See, I try to do that. Of Thanksgiving. Depending on where the store I'm going, I'll remember where things are at, and I'll be like, you know, I'm going to do this in order. But then the thing you're talking about, you pick up one thing, and you're like, oh, I got an idea that I could do with that. Especially if you're making a recipe mm-hmm. in your bucking. Yeah, your right. And it's like, I got to go back over there. But, you know, if anyone out there is listening with Jungle Gyms up there, because that's owned up in that area. You know, what do we got to get, like, a change.org There's going only two or what? That exist. I know, but can yeah. we, we need to get one here. And how? Cincinnati, like, it's what? It's not that far, but it's not, it's not, like, geographically located reasonable for, for, you know, like, if we were a port city, right? And and there's there's an ocean wharf that, that brings no, African it, produce across the ocean. It makes sense. But no, we're in Cincinnati and, like, Eastgate. I, I don't know. It started as a farm stand. That's brilliant. A jungle Jim was a farmer, and he had his own five. I I studied the history of <laughs> jungle gyms. Why is it? Oh, yeah. The, the Africa section was a little questionable. I, but the, the the like open air produce side of yes. it that's a lot more like tropical. It's a lot of Asian, but it's a little bit of like African. And when I say African, I'm mostly talking about like northern Mediterranean area. Yeah. Because ooh, our concept of what is like Central African food is pretty skewed. Oh but, yeah, no, I was talking about the the actual like the but, pantry but the, where the they pan- have like yeah. some jollof mm-hmm. and things like that. But then right next to the jollof, I got very confused for a second because they had uh, Sylvia's waffle mix. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, Sylvia's is a restaurant in Harlem. Uh, and then right next to that, they had the Louisiana, you know, Why cage. Why do I and not I, have branded food? It, it, oh, my God. But it it's took a me a minute to realize that the, pancake mix. that the aisle labeled African cuisine that did start with actual African cuisine was just all black people food from, <laughs> from various countries and regions of the United States. But it's like when you go to Kroger and it's like the Asian section and it's this little bitty and, it's, you know five brands of soy sauce and right. i'm like there's more to it like i need right now you can't find sambal you can't find sriracha no, that's, that's and awful. knockoff sriracha is not the fucking same 
No, it's not. Do, it's you, not. do you know why about sriracha? In a different um, pepper? What I understand about it is a specific pepper that grows on these farms that they had relationships with in Mexico, and there was a drought and also maybe a flood, and it, like, killed their pepper crop for the year. That's actually, a, that's that's what they want you to know. Oh, okay. So, God, it's uh, I thought it was that. They got in bit, the, the neighbors, the neighborhood. It was the whatever was... I remember being that extruded into the air from the factory. They started that, suing them like the first year it, they were open. It was burning people's eyes and lungs, Whoa. and it was a whole thing. Yeah, and now Whoa. it's like a hundred dollars a bottle. I, I I got a bottle in the back of my fridge. You, you can want to come. There's over an for a Asian cup. market <laughs> in yeah. Lexington. There is next to. Don't tell everybody. No, 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 no. <laughs> they need to know. It's next to Chuck E. Cheese. That's all I'm going to tell you. They have sriracha. They can go to that one all But it's long. $10 a bottle. And it's, no, I went in that. We took my kids. And like, oh, we haven't really talked about my kids. I have seven kids. I like, I am a traveling circus everywhere I go. I don't know how I'm sane or have my hair. I don't think I've ever been hanging out with Israel, your wife, where she was not pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, because I've only uh, so, lived in Lexington for seven years. So Cairo will be a year old next week. No, not next week. The week after, uh, December third. This is the first full year. Because I think there might have been a full year between Jericho and Denver, but there was not between anybody else. But I don't think I've seen Israel since like two, two since twenty nineteen. Really, pre-COVID. Yeah. Woof. We right? stopped. We COVID like. COVID killed all enthusiasm I had for food trucking. Um, I was already kind of like, I don't want to cook like this anymore. I want to just, I don't know what I want to do. That's why I'm trying to teach high school, I guess. Um, (laughs) But yeah, COVID killed all enthusiasm I had. And then like the free money made me super lazy. Yeah, that'll happen. And so fast forward to now, we we don't food truck. I don't even like go out like we did. I, I don't think I've been to Moonshiners in two years. Same. Not even as a person. Samesies. Um, so what got you started on your culinary journey then? Man, if you had asked me at like six or seven what I was going to be as an adult, I would have told you that I was going to be a chef with a bunch of kids. I love that. And now I'm a chef with a bunch of kids and like... I don't know what I'm going to do with my life anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like, I got to you. the point where my kid, where the voice in my head was like, this is what you're meant to do. And now I'm do I'm here. And I'm like, all right, I'm good. Well, I'm going to ask than you the kids, but like, they're great. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions that maybe as you think about them, you'll be inspired. And you'll figure yeah, no, out. I still really enjoy the like cooking for people. Like I really like it from the like private chef perspective where you're only feeding a few people. I don't want to stand on a line and listen, excuse me, to a ticket printer anymore. I used to have nightmares mm-hmm. about the sound of a ticket printer. Um, and still to this day, I occasionally can like hear it. Yeah. And like. No, I, I am in love with, I love cooking food for my friends and family and during COVID when everything was sort of imploding, I started the cooking channel. And back then dad, my dad, was asking if I wanted to, you know, open my own restaurant. I was like, absolutely not. Mm-mm. I'd worked in the food industry for a very brief period of my life when I moved to Kentucky to make ends meet, and I will never go back. Mm-mm. I could see doing, like, from a bed and breakfast kind of perspective. So, like... A bud and breakfast. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> my dad is from a farm in Virginia that my grandfather moved on to when he was six months old in like 1912. Wow. Um, in Virginia, they hand out century farm certificates. So if you've been a, a family farm and continuous operation for 100 years, you get a fancy little plaque. Um, and we have one of those, all that. Um, it's like 200 acres. The Holston River runs right through the middle, like the road, grandma's house. Dad, there was, I think, 11 of them. Um, they lived in this little bitty house, you know. I don't think they had running toilets until the 70s, you know. Wow. Go back now, of course, it's different now, but I want to go move to the river. I want to, like, build a little greenhouse, grow some weed. I don't want to be, like, you know, massive. I don't want hundreds of acres of pot. I just, like, maybe an acre or two, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And we have a house that's more than a couple hundred years or more than 100 years old that is there that – I would like to see as a bed and breakfast and, you know, maybe not breakfast cause I'm not a morning person, but like bud and dinner, but you know, whatever. Um, but feed people that yeah. way and, and showcase the farm where we're from. And these are all things that I want to do. But then the old generation is like, we don't want to see you grow any weed on this farm. And I'm like, God, fucking God. Well, I think it's a great idea. I, I, w- I would come visit. I love it. I mean, it's, it's, it sounds a lot. I've never been, but like Blackberry Farms in Tennessee. And then who's the, you would know, the chef in upstate New York who his whole purpose is to grow all these heirlooms. It's like Blue Stonehill. Yeah. Something. Where he's like growing heritage wheats to make. Dude. Ancient sourdoughs. There's some fascinating stuff when people like latch on to like trying to hold on to the um, heritage, the yeah. heirloomness of mm-hmm. it all. Um, you know, I have a philosophy or a theory that gluten free being the fad that it is now. Um, how did all of thousands of years of human civilization, right, right? The thing that brought us out of the fucking Stone Age was the fact that we decided to grow crops. And one of the first ones we grow was grain. And so all of human civilization is more or less based on the fact that we collectively decided we could grow grass and eat it. Mm-hmm. Okay. How is it since like 1993, well, God, you can't eat bread anymore. I think it's because we have hyper-industrialized exactly the right. way that we, we've industrialized the grain. So, and, and not I'm not talking about the, like, processing and the milling of the wheat down to just the germ and getting rid of the bran and whole wheat versus white bread. I'm not talking about all that. But, like, we've industrialized the way we grow it. We industrialized the way we process it. We've industrialized the yeast mm-hmm. more specifically. You think about the the, the fact that, most yeast you buy is a specific strain and it is usually bred as a volume multiplier over whatever it is that yeast tends to leave behind. And so we have sterilized our food to a point that we don't have the gut bacterias Mm -hmm. that are capable of handling, whether it's milk or bread or all the things that like all of humanity in perpetuity has survived on up till now that suddenly like oh god we got to make all our pasta out of chickpeas fuck off well and and you know it's interesting because i personally had to take gluten out of my diet 
and uh, I I went through all all kinds of things, and I I wasn't it wasn't that I was horribly sick or anything. I just didn't feel well, and I went as far as having hair tests and all these different um, uh, tests, and everything came back going. You know, you really should look at gluten, and it's really interesting because I took it out of my diet. My life changed. Sure. And I feel better. If I eat it, I feel horrible. My body don't want to break it down. Now, what you're saying, I mean, look at our corn. You know, we have genetically modified corn so that we can spray it Mm -hmm. with substances to kill bugs and all the things trying to eat it to the point now that our bodies do not recognize that as it is in its natural form. We're not breaking I don't know if you've ever seen the video where they take um, standard corn put it on a spike and then they take heirloom corn put it on a spike and uh they leave it out for the squirrels and uh, and the squirrels will decimate mm-hmm. heirloom corn and they will almost not they have to be like hungry <laughs> right. before they start messing with the other stuff and and i'm not to say that like your corn producers in the country don't still battle pest problems i'm sure there's plenty of mice that'll eat your fucking corn but we when we when we turned our food into a business and we started doing it by the hundreds and millions of acres we removed the ability like the hyper localization of our food is the thing that's going to make our food the healthiest for that's us a, right? yes i agree that's like how people talk about well if you have allergies eat honey from where you're at yeah from the year before right mm-hmm. and and or, or um, it's not really the same, but I've heard like people that have peanut allergies and, and they have some work in that that says, okay, five peanuts will make me go into anaphylaxis, but four won't. So today I'm going to eat four peanuts. Tomorrow I'm going to eat four peanuts. But on Friday, I'm going to eat five peanuts, and I'm not going to go into anaphylaxis anymore. And it's because you have this tolerance. I think a similar thing is true of gluten for people in, the, in this country. But I think it's because of the industrialization of our food. And I think that if we were growing wheat locally Mm -hmm. and we were still taking our wheat to a stone mill Mm -hmm. and grinding it by water power and all this shit, or or even even the people that have like little mills in their kitchen, I wonder if... Well, there is someone who did do a test. So they're these nuns. I don't know if they're in the Pacific Northwest. I can't remember if they're Northern California, Oregon or Washington, but they're somewhere right along there. And they have been making sourdough from the same um, starter, they don't call starter. mother, starter. but starter. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, from the same starter for over a hundred years, mm-hmm. and they a doctor took their sourdough and they'd like have it in caves. It's the weirdest, yeah. like cheese. Uh, but they have this sourdough in caves and they bake it. Blah blah blah. And uh, a doctor took their sourdough and tested it on people with gluten intolerance. And I think even someone uh, with, um, what's the actual celiac celiac disease and it had no effect. Yeah. And, and so uh, I lost my train of thought, but it was like the thing that makes sourdough special. uh, When you, do you remember the commercials for San Francisco sourdough when we were a kid, the thing that makes San Francisco sourdough special is the yeast that exists in the Bay Area. Yeah. So you can take the San Francisco sourdough recipe and make it in Kentucky. It's not San Francisco sourdough. It's Kentucky sourdough. Um, We don't don't 
feed and and our our gut biome and we don't take in the natural uh things that we need as much as we used to because we over sterilize our lives um i mean i mean we're post-covid everybody's bathing in hand sanitizer now (laughs) well and that's true and you know growing up uh I spent most of my life with my grandparents. My grandmother, we had fresh sourdough bread weekly. Uh, yeah. There was a starter always on the counter. Mm-hmm. And now I make my own kimchi. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that's really great for the gut. And I think that's something that we should talk more about, too, And you know, in as a, as a community eating more fermented foods. But I do agree. Uh, I think the, uh, the industrial side of where those things have went, I know there are some Americans purchasing small uh, uh, amounts of flour from Europe, and they're able to eat. Mm-hmm. the products they make from that. And that's something that uh, I think you're correct. I think that when we start producing our foods as close to home and locally, uh, the better off we'll be. So, yeah. <laughs> so, all of that being said, I know, how do we have to, are we done, done? I mean, we're at 110. So, can I ask one more question? Yeah. You asked five. Right. <laughs> we have, our camera has to cool down. It gets too hot. Ah, yeah. Um. But, uh, yeah, no, because I'm loving this conversation. And I, I don't want it to end. I can carry on all day, man. So let's. Uh... All right. So who I'm curious, because as a chef, this is okay. one that I always and not that I by any means am a chef, but I. I'm a I'm a nerd for chefs. Mm-hmm. So Grana shots, and we we are big uh, wedding dinner. We ate at uh, Joel Robichon in Vegas. Have you eaten at one of Grana shots? I have not eaten at one of Grana shots restaurants. I want to go. I'm Let's kind go. of I'm kind of curious about it. I want to go. I don't know that I could ever really afford it, but like the the idea of it seems because it's not food. You know what I mean? Like. I'm I'm from here. Like my grandma is how I got started. Like yeah. the plate of food is what I'm. But, and and then I'm a stoner, so I do like stoner shit. But but I think that's why I love chefs like Grand Shots. But but and and Ferran Adria. I just got Ferran Adria's uh, cookbook, The Family Meal. If you haven't mm-hmm. seen that, Mm-mm. so it's all of the family meals that were cooked and served inside El Bouillet for mm-hmm. the staff. Okay. So while he's serving, you know, spherification of of you know uh, mango yeah, they're, but they're over doing bolo cooking. in the back yeah yeah and he's and but the way that he set up the cookbook it's it's actually it's a photo album it's awesome it's very cool um so but anyway so the question who is one chef that inspires you you're you know i know your food is you know your go kentucky boy cooking stoner food yeah it's delicious it's hearty who's a chef that inspires you that would surprise us man you know i'm that's honestly not a great question for me because I don't – nobody springs to mind, right? Fair. Um, not that a person that I can name because the – all right. My philosophy has always been about grandmas. So right. if I could pick any chef alive or dead that I can feed right now, it's my grandma, hands down. I love that. I don't want to talk to anybody else. I want to see my grandma. But I feel like the – the people that you can learn the most from Mm -hmm. and while these chefs, these well-known chefs that are doing this fancy shit on a plate, that's all well and good. That's an experience. It's art. Is it really like a family meal? Are you feeding people? Right. Is there love on that plate? Is there love in the plate? Okay. So 
I think that if you're going to learn to cook from somebody, the way to go about it is grandma's. Fair. So, like, my grandma taught me biscuits and gravy. Maybe it wasn't the best biscuits and gravy in the world. I don't know, but I'll fight you if you tell me otherwise. Um, I think that if I'm going to learn to make tortillas, I want to learn to make it from the little old lady in Mexico that's been cooking in the same clay pot for the last 60 years. If I'm going to learn to make the best rice, I want some little old lady in Asia to teach me how to do it over a fire. I want the person that's been making it every day with love for their people forever. That's awesome. And because that's where that. you, that's, that's, you know, my grandma made soup beans for my grandpa every day. As an adult, I don't really like soup beans, but I, that's one of the recipes I'd pull. Um, and I think that most of your famous chefs would probably say something along the same lines if they, like, really thought about it. Who gave them the most love on a plate? Have you ever seen a movie called, like, Water for Chocolate? Yeah. And how she could put her emotion into her food and, like... Um, you know, she made this man fall in love with her, but then her sister stole the man and then she killed her sister with the food and blah, blah, right. blah. I think that's how that movie went ish, but you can instill great emotion into your food. And if you are putting any, any amount of love into what you're doing, that translates over to the nourishment that it then provides a person food for fun is awesome. Right. But we are tasked with like, food for survival but food for survival doesn't need to be shitty yeah no it doesn't need right, to yeah. taste bad it can still you can still have amazing flavor and not and it not be you know super convoluted and hard to arrive at so i love that and i think that the tops i think that the thomas kellers and the Shots and the robichons of the world would probably say that i think that you have to you know, I'd rather smoke weed with those people than know how to them. make a great burger. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the menu. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. That movie where you know if you can make a great burger, then eventually you can get that movie. To stre- that movie stressed me out. <laughs> it was that movie stressed me out. But have you seen the bear? I've I watched the first season. Okay, so there uh, is there a second season yet? Yeah. yeah. Is it out? Yeah. Oh, I'm so behind. Oh, my God. It's, I think it's, I think it. It like, came out over the summer, didn't it? Uh, yeah, I think about around the end of August. Whatever. I haven't watched I'm, the second season. He's yet. getting ready to be in a movie I'm very excited about. Um, the guy that plays uh, the bear and, yeah. and Pip, or Lip from Shameless. Yeah, from Shameless. He's getting ready to be yeah. Carrie Von Erich in the movie The Iron Claw. They're making a movie about the Von Erichs. I'm a wrestling nerd. That's my, that's my <laughs> thing. I love wrestling, bro. But they're making a movie about the Von Erich family, and it's a it's a tragic story, really. But this movie looks so good. But it, the same kid that's in the Bears is Carrie Von Erich. So no, but so knowing that, but the that the grandmas that if you want to know how to make tortillas, you're gonna go somewhere. That's and, who I want to learn it from. So who, if you could cook for any three? Now, see, I my question was any three celebrities. If you could cook for any three, and when I say celebrity, I you know it could be Edgar Allan Poe. It could be. You know, I don't mean nah, I don't mean the I Kardashians mean, necessarily. I mean, as a wrestling nerd, you know, I always want to like, <laughs> let's feed the Undertaker, man. But I, I don't know. That's a hard question because there's a lot of people that like I think would be really cool to hang out with, and if I'm going to cook for them, they have to be able to smoke weed because that's just part of the experience. You just a blunt and a Belgian yeah. waffle or whatever. Um, yeah. 
don't know. It is hard because I have people you, that come I, to I mind. I read that question when you sent it to me, and I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know how I'm going to answer that because there's a lot. There are some people that maybe come to mind, but like uh, for me, one of them is Anthony Bourdain. But but then I get so nervous about the idea. What if Anthony Bourdain decides my food sucks? Yeah, I don't know if I want to feed him. <laughs> That's what I, mean. I would like to like. Follow him around and like be him on, you know. Yeah. I want to hang out with Bourdain. I don't know if I can take the stress of like the critique of having fed him. Yeah. Yeah. And the same for most like famous people. Um, So, okay. So let's go by. Let's say you've, you've got a table full of grandmas. All right, let's let's do that. Let's, let's, uh, I can say the most famous person I think I've fed is probably Shatner, but he used to come in Azor a lot. Yeah. Your face. Yeah. We fed. <laughs> He's all sure. right. He's all right. He's fine. He's fine. Him and his wife used to come into Azor a lot when I was like fresh out of culinary school. And then like I fed like R.L. Stein that way one time. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, you know, I've fed Guy Fieri. That kind of counts. But like. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you were featured. You were fe- uh, Josh was featured on Guy's Grocery Games. Whoop, whoop. Twice? Three times. Twice. Okay. Well, one was a standalone episode. One was a tournament. Nice. All the money's gone and it's fine. Um, <laughs> but so you've got, but you've, so you got your grandma, it's Israel's grandma, whatever, you know. I, I'm, I would rather just have you guys at a table. Okay. What do you, you know what I mean? What are you cooking for us? Oh, 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 oh. See, that's what I was. What, oh, I wouldn't shut up long enough for you to finish. I see. <laughs> I see where this is going. <laughs> what I wanted to, what are you cooking for your own grandma? Um, so, the first thing that popped in my mind was bear, um, because... Because <laughs> I asked you to cook me bear a few months ago? Well, no. Bear's one of my favorite things to eat. Okay. So, my uncle... So well, my uncle didn't kill it, but somebody killed a bear down in, in Virginia Family Farm. Somebody killed a bear. They called my uncle to come clean it. Mm-hmm. Well, I ended up with, like, I don't know, a third of this bear over the course of a year. It is easily one of the best meats. Like, mm. what would you compare that to? I've not had bear. I've had ostrich, and I've had ostrich uh, is really red. Yes, I, um, and really, really lean. Yeah, and people talk about bear being greasy. I don't find greasy meat to be a bad thing. Greasy just means fatty. However, anything tastes like what it was eating before it died. Anything. Uh, if you have grass-fed beef. There's a flavor mm-hmm. difference. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a fan of grass-fed, grain-finished. You know, like last two weeks, like right before they die, like feed them a bunch of corn or whatever. But then, like, I've had some meat that the feed that they fed them was had a particular, I won't say flavor because I didn't eat it, but, like, I know how it smelled. Mm-hmm. And that really, like, sweet graininess made it into the meat after the fact. And that meat was not super pleasant. Um, so that being said, uh, bears that are eating well, you know, uh, a full happy summer forest, they taste differently than the ones that have been eaten out of the dump all, all the time. I've heard comparison uh, of bear to like wild boar. Okay. Yeah. A little bit. I, f- I still find pork is its own thing, but, but they're in terms of the way their fat behaves, mm-hmm. it's a porcine fat. So yes, it's, that's a very accurate, um, uh, comparison but um yeah i mean i want to make bear barbacoa so oh, like taco amazing. truck barbacoa I love barbacoa taco truck barbacoa there's a taco truck 
he sits in the gas station parking lot at the corner of Broadway and New Circle. That's my guy. A question from my husband that I know he's thinking that is bare cheeks a thing? Stands to reason you can eat anything. I mean, uh, if you get to it, I can. Um, I would imagine there's probably I'd that ch- muscle there. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. I because like pork cheek is a thing, right? And um, there are some fish that have cheek meat that's quite good. Cow cheek. And cow- I've I've had cow cheek. Mm-hmm. Um, we like so that food truck or that taco truck. He has cabeza. He has, it's the corner, it's the corner of Broadway and New Circle Road. It's okay. that gas station parking lot. Right before you go under the railroad track. Right before you go under the uh, I'm going to check it out. It Tacos El Girasol, okay. I think is what they call okay. it. Good luck ever looking them up. You can't find them. They yep. moved on me one time. It took me two months to find them. <laughs> um, he has Cabeza pretty regularly, Lingua, all that. Their barbacoa is just... Okay, I'm damn it's special. Nice. So, with that being said, I was on a kick about trying to make that and replicate it. Um, and I've had some winners and I've had some losers, but the bear doing bear that way is really, really, really good. Just a you know, little bit of cloves, little, little, little bit of cinnamon, and a lot of chili. That sounds dope. And it is, yes, but. Man, I don't know if if my if I saw my grandma at a table right now, I don't think I could keep my shit together long enough to cook food. I would be I, a <laughs> I would be a solid mess for at least an hour. I mean, yeah, you. I mean, we're we're saying grandma comes to visit the next day. You're too, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, but <laughs> I feel you. But yeah, no, I I I just like sitting around with people that that appreciate good music and appreciate good food and appreciate good weed. I love that. And I think that's the secret to a happy life. And then we have just one last question for you. Uh, in all things, in life and culinary and whatever, what's the one greatest piece of advice you've ever been given that you like to share? Season visually. Season visually. Don't, don't, don't worry about measuring. Like, look at it. Feel it. Huh. Sprinkle it. That's right. Yeah. Dash, baby. Bam. <laughs> Season visually. I like um, it. If you, as a person, want to just grasp good basic culinary technique and like understanding salt, fat, acid, heat, mm-hmm. uh, salt, fat, acid, heat, uh, I, Samane <laughs> Nosarat, I think is her name. I'm never going to yeah. say that right. I'm sorry. I'm butchering it. Is it Netflix? There, there's a, a show, show on Netflix, but her cookbook, her book, okay. her book yeah. is okay. special mm-hmm. in just how relatable it makes everything. Um, it's not like recipe books. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like a jewelry child recipe book where there's, you know, you, you pick a recipe and make it. It's a long conversation about how those four things interact with each other in a dish to create the perfect balance. And that's one book that made me better. The, like the bit on acid mm-hmm. improved my seasoning game. A hundred percent. You it, don't know how much a little bit of vinegar makes the world mm-hmm. in a dish. It So she breaks it down kind of like the science kind of a little bit. Like uh, I always like to watch an Alton Brown just because he breaks. I like Alton. My culinary school education was largely Alton Brown. Yes. <laughs> I paid. I paid tuition to sit in a room with a bunch of adults and watch Alton Brown. Okay, 
Um, uh. And it turned out okay. And I got to see him live. He has a live show. That mm-hmm. it, yeah. My sister bought me tickets one year, and he had essentially had a giant easy bake oven on the stage, and yeah. he made pizza. Um, so you what, could feel the heat from way in the back where I sat. I'm a huge fan of Thomas Keller's master class. Yeah. For that, I don't know if you ever, uh, he has that, that, there's that app master class or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, streaming channel. And during COVID, I got, I bought it just to watch Keller because mm-hmm. he goes through just root vegetables and eggs and this and that. And, then and Keller is easy to listen to. Yeah. Keller's easy to listen to. Not everybody's easy to listen to. I like, like, uh, whatever, I'm picking on Wolfgang, but like Wolfgang has a lot of really good knowledge to impart. Yes. But he's not always easy to hear it from. Mm-hmm. Um, Ramsey's the same way. Um, Keller is very... Fieri was not that way. He was very easy to talk to. But Keller is very calm. Mm-hmm. And there's very much, even though obviously he has these very elevated restaurant, uh, French Laundry, and um, we've been to a couple of his restaurants out, back, out west, but there's a calmness and there's also, he's teaching when he does things like his master class, he's not teaching you a recipe. He's teaching you techniques. Yeah. Yeah. That's everything. Cause and recipe doesn't mean go shit. And play. The seasoning and then like, unless you're like baking and you have to get your rest, your ratios correct. Cooking is by feel. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's, it's you. And you either understand the like judge of it or you don't. Yeah. Um, and that's the difference between like, I don't know, Cracker Barrel mashed potatoes and Bob Evans mashed potatoes. Yeah. That's really like you were talking about your grandma, but that, that was one of the things my grandma, it was like touch, taste, and smell as you're doing it. And to me, that is the love, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, you so. got to taste everything. And for me, cooking with cooking with music was a huge part of my food truck experience. I had speakers on the front. I'm playing loud and not always tasteful music. <laughs> I... I, 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 I I went to a um, Red, White, and Boom event in Richmond, mm. and the uh, the uh, the band was uh, <laughs> oh subpar, it was a subpar, terrible country cover band. Whatever. By the end of the day, I was really salty because everybody was eating the like two dollar carny tacos or or like corn right. dogs. Everybody was spending money on corn dogs here and here, and I was like barely breaking even. So the end of the night gets up, and um, I'm start cleaning up. I turn my speakers up and start playing to Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar as loud as I can to like a field full of Jackson County. I love it. It was amazing. We should introduce <laughs> we should introduce you to a song that we just discovered today called Santa Claus Was a Black Man. Is a black man. I think I've heard maybe. And it's uh, it's I'm gonna listen to it in the car. <laughs> it's sung by a five year old and it was recorded in nineteen seventy three and it's awesome and you should play it. I had people I had people so mad, like, okay, my kids were in front of my food truck like playing. And I kept having people coming up here like, You need to turn that off. There's kids playing. I'm like, Well, those are my kids, so you can mind your business. One dude went and got the sheriff. <laughs> oh my god. One dude went and got the sheriff and brought the sheriff over to my truck to be like He's playing vulgar music, and to be fair, the like by the time we got through King Kunta and into the song where he's like, "This dick ain't free," everybody was, I was, I was loving my life. The dudes that were selling lemonade next to me were howling with laughter, but the white people in the room were so upset. <laughs> it's 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 a thing of beauty. But sometimes it really is. Music in your food is. 
I it doesn't it. always have to be like offensive. That that might have been ha- what happened when I was at my chili attempt. It needed more music. Driftwood Gypsy has made many a good di- dishes in my day. I'll just say <laughs> that. that 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 album has made lots of good food on that food truck. Nice. Yes. Well, Josh, thank you so much for thank coming so much and for hanging out me. with us today. Yes. Thanks for thank having you. me and talking, and we appreciate you. And I will come and shoot the shit with you guys anytime. We'll definitely have to do it again. Yes. We might even do an episode where we cook together. Yes, please. Let's do all that. It would That's be amazing. Exciting. We do have a full kitchen in the back that is free for our use. But anyway. Oh, do we? So thanks. Is there anything? No, there's nothing. We can edit no. this part out. No, I don't. I don't have any gratuitous plugs. If you want to order freeze dried candy, you can. Oh yeah, yeah. Go look me up on Instagram at Valley Bridge Trading Co. Valley Bridge Trading Co. Awesome. But if you want to learn about, you know, my life as a chef or the food truck journey, that is at Dine Curiously. Nice. And um, like, I can say that I know fully from experience that if you dig. Dig freeze dried candy. Well, I don't know why that was a mouthful. Uh, it is. Josh's are super delicious. I yes. uh, when he opened up the website, I ordered one of everything, and it was rad. Yes. But yeah, look us up on Instagram. Just shoot us a message. Perfect. Well, Sounds thanks. awesome. Thanks, Josh. We'll thanks, see you guys. soon. Thank you. Yeah. Let's let's. Oh yes, and if you are listening at home, please subscribe, uh, or if you're watching. Hit uh, all of the things. Follow us. Subscribe. Like and share. Like and share. What streaming platforms are we available on, guys? Yes. We're going to add all of this in, in posts, because (laughs) we are not, we'll be streaming uh, later on. It's all confusing. Fill in the commercials. See y'all later. Bye. Bye. Come on, get a ledger.